Hi there, my name is Jake and I'm from Reachability. Reachability is a nonprofit organization based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, and we focus on uh, helping people with disabilities or facing barriers find fulfillment, uh, whatever that means for them. So we have a number of employment programs, some legal programs, uh, we also run the Blue Nose Ability Film Festival. So the Blue Nose Ability Film Festival, otherwise known as BAF, uh, is in our fourth year now and we focus on uh, showing content made by people with disabilities or featuring people with disabilities. Uh, if you tune in after the podcast, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the specific events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Riding in Cars with Cats. As usual, I am your host, Mike Tanner, and today I am coming to you from the car. This is actually somewhere that I haven't been coming to you from in a little while. Uh, I've had a lot of walking or sitting or doing dishes, etc. episodes, and uh, now we're back behind the wheel. And with that in mind, I want to talk to you about where I'm going, where I'm not going, and also uh, about an experience I had last week that involved where I'm going. So it is Wednesday night, and I am on my way to hockey. I am not, as we, I think, have established in previous episodes, a very good hockey player. In fact, I'm quite terrible. I am more than likely the worst player on my hockey team. I can't really think of anyone else who's worse than me, and I love it. I only started playing a few years ago. Well, a few is a stretch now. I think it's close to 10, probably 8. Uh, but in any case, I absolutely love hockey. I grew up really loving the sport, and uh, now to get to play it is a dream come true. And last week, hockey was on Halloween. Not only was hockey on Halloween, but it was in a different location than we are used to having our hockey at. So normally, I play at a place called the BMO Center, uh, which is in Hammonds Plains, Nova Scotia. And it's one of these new four-pad facilities, so four hockey rinks all in one. Uh, really great for uh, tournaments and stuff like that and, and junior programs. It's a, it's a really effective way to do this versus the old school kind of, hey, it's one rink and, and that's kind of it. Uh, but last week, we couldn't uh, play there, so instead we had to play at the RBC Center. The RBC Center is a new four-pad facility in Dartmouth. And so Halloween happened. Uh, luckily, my game wasn't until, I think, 10.30 or so. So most of the festivities with the kids were all finished. Kids were in bed. That part was fine. And I headed across the bridge from Halifax to Dartmouth so that I could uh, go to hockey. When I got there, I discovered that we were missing a few players. So at any given time, if you're excluding the goalie, there are five players on the ice in hockey. And so a nice number to have is maybe 10 players, maybe 13. Uh, this gives us a couple of lines and some room to play with. We thought we were going to have 11 players. Uh, and the last minute, a few people weren't able to make it. And we ended up with seven. Now, seven players... Seven skaters means you have one substitute on your forward line and one substitute on your defensive line. 
And that means you play an awful lot of hockey. But wait, there's more. This particular rink that we were playing in is Olympic-sized ice. If you're wondering what that actually means, it means way bigger. So we all had this sort of sense of dread of, you know, there's not enough of us. We're playing on this big ice surface. This is going to go poorly. And from a sheer score perspective, sure, didn't go great. Uh, we did lose final score, I think, was 7-3 or something like that. We are on pace to win the league championship. And I only say that because we are 0-6 or 0-7. And, and the first year in this league, we went 0-11 and, and then ended up winning the championship. So we're on pace for another championship season. But in this particular case, uh, I actually thought we played pretty well. I thought that the extra space gave us a lot more time with the puck, a lot more time to look around. I know I didn't feel quite so rushed as I normally do when I'm playing. Uh, normally I get the puck and I, I give it away because I'm, I you know, feel like people are on top of me. But the extra space really mitigated that experience. And all of that to say that last week was a really interesting experience in that there were definitely some obstacles and some negatives, but I think that we were able to overcome them really well. And I want to to talk a little bit about this overcoming of what seemed like obstacles and turning them into something that's advantageous or at least something that you can work with. So I regularly listen to a game design podcast. I am in the very early stages of uh, designing my very first, I say my very first game. I designed my first game when I was in grade eight, but this is my first game that I'm you know, sort of taking seriously from a design standpoint. And so I listen to a board game design podcast. I really enjoy it. I play board games every Thursday night. And so there's a certain uh, part of me that uh, really enjoys this podcast because I get to really dig into some of these games that I play regularly and get a better understanding of what the designers were thinking about when they built them and, and how they've sort of instituted certain aspects in the game. In any case, this last week, I was listening to a podcast that was all about the concept of balance in board games. So balance in board games is basically the features of a game that make it seem like you have a chance at winning. That's really what balance all comes down to. Uh, games where you feel early on like you are not making choices that matter, that lead to uh, you know, a potential for winning, uh, those kind of games are, are pretty easily and pretty quickly uh, put by the wayside. Because it's just no fun to, you know, to immediately feel like you're going to lose. One of my least favorite games of all time is a game called uh, Pandemic. Now, Pandemic has a feel right out the gate like you're going to lose. There's no way you could win this. And uh, I've never enjoyed it for that reason. Now, we've played Pandemic Legacy, which has some of that same tension but with the idea that you can actually pull it off. And I, I find it to be a much more um, complete game in that regard. I really in, enjoy Pandemic Legacy. So in this particular uh, session, the individual is a man named, I believe, Isaac Vega uh, or Vargas. Um, I honestly should know this. 
he was talking about some games that he had designed. And one of them is a very, very well-known game in board game circles called Dead of Winter. So Dead of Winter uh, is a game in which you play survivors of the zombie apocalypse. Uh, you are part of a colony trying to survive uh, the Dead of Winter. It is a very intense game. It is very easy to lose. There are some really interesting features about it, and it's one of my group's uh, favorite ongoing games that we will go back to pretty regularly. And here's the thing. It's not a very balanced game. It is a game that very early on you can feel like you don't have a chance. Now, this particular game is not a head-to-head game. You are not necessarily playing against your uh, the other players. It is a co-oppetitive game uh, to a certain extent. So it's a cooperative game in that it is the belief of all players playing that they're all working together to try to defeat the zombies and uh, win and, you know, last the night and go from there. Now... The interesting additional thing to this game is that you need to meet the basic win conditions in order for your group to win. But then you have a mission card that has has, um, some other win conditions that you might need to pass in order to win. So if you're not super familiar with the game, let's say that the game said, well, you have to survive seven rounds of this game. You might say, okay, great. But your card might say, at the end of the game, when everyone's sort of counting everything up, you have to have at least three medicine cards in your hand. Now, medicine cards can be very useful in this game. So stockpiling those can mean that it's harder for the group to actually win um, based on your personal win condition. And you have to balance those things. You sort of have to balance, can the group win while I also win? Now, there is also in this game the potential for a traitor. It is possible that one of you is betraying the cause and you can vote to out that person if you think that it's them. And it it adds a certain dynamic to the game. It's a really, really well thought out game. Here's the problem is there's a huge randomness aspect, which means that your mission for three rounds in a row might be that you need to collect medicine cards. And because the decks are randomly shuffled, it may be impossible for you to get those medicine cards. And when they were playtesting this game, they got a lot of feedback about this idea. They got a lot of feedback that there were games where you just felt, look, there's no way I could win this. But people didn't seem to mind it because the style of the game and some of the features of the game turned into this game where you really felt like you were with everyone in this. And so basically they took a bug and turned it into a feature, which was oh man, do you remember that time we got absolutely destroyed because this came up and then this came up and then this came up and our party died and we all, you know, none of us made it. And people actually enjoy that. It becomes part of this narrative, this story, this shared experience. And so what I really want to talk about in all this is, you know, a couple of weeks ago, well, last week, I guess, I played on an Olympic-sized surface where I we didn't have enough people, and that's an obstacle. The advantage for me was I got to play a ton of hockey, which is always good to practice, and the extra space, while difficult to skate, actually made it possible for me to 
have some time to actually control the puck. So you take an obstacle and you turn it into a good experience. You know, the makers of Dead of Winter had this game that people basically said, look, I don't feel like we could have possibly won. But God, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was fun not winning. And, you know, that was a fun experience. So what I really want you to do is I want you to think about some of the things that you are currently seeing as obstacles for you. And I want you to think about how you can turn those obstacles into advantages. You know, this particular podcast stemmed from the idea that I did not have time or space or equipment to have a podcast. And so what ended up happening was I had to sort of come up with another way for me to do this. It has been incredibly successful for me. It's actually provided me an opportunity to work some things out in my head while I'm while I'm driving, something that I kind of did before, but this really makes me focus in on those things. And I basically have been able to leverage everything else into something that's been really positive. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about the things that are holding you back, whether it's the time to create content or whether it's the energy to create content or whether it's the ideas, whatever the case may be, whatever is stopping you from podcasting, blogging, launching your website, launching your course, writing your book, whatever the case may be, whatever it is that is stopping you from doing those things, I want you to think of whether or not there's a way to turn those obstacles around and make it so they're not holding you back. You know, one of the things when I wrote Really Little Wins last uh, year was that I was trying to find time to write this book about productivity and I was slammed. And what I came to realize is that one of the reasons I was slammed, and this continues to go back to being one of the reasons I am slammed when I am too busy and I'm not able to get everything done. One of the reasons for that was I wasn't following my own advice. I had come up with this coaching plan that had worked really well for clients and that I knew would be successful for me. And I wasn't implementing it on my own end so that I could get things done. And so not only did implementing it mean I got to write the book, but it really put me in the mindset of how functional that book could be. So not having time to write a book, which is obviously an obstacle, forced me to do exactly what I needed to do to write the book that I needed to write. So what I really want you to think about is, are the obstacles that are set in front of you something that you can overcome or something that you can't? Now, some of these you can't. You know, I have a friend right now who is trying to start a business. He needs a pretty significant influx of cash in order to do one aspect of his business. And it's not something that's available to him right now. So we're trying to come up with alternative ways to do that. So you're going to come up with times where, look, you can't do it and that's fine. But what we've done in his case is we've said, okay, well, what can we do? And we've really started working through all of those things. So what I want you to take away from this is 
you are able to use the obstacles that are in front of you sometimes as a springboard to better success. I hope you, you know, you, you would have heard a little bit at the beginning of this episode about the Blue Nose Ability Film Festival. And I hope you tune in at the end of this podcast to hear a little bit about the specific programs they're running. But part of that idea is, and part of what reachability does, and part of what BAF does is to say that these obstacles that people face, and to be honest, obstacles that are far beyond any of the ones that I'm currently facing, but that these obstacles that people face can absolutely be overcome and they can become part of your story and part of the way you overcome it. So I, I hope you tune into the end of this to learn a little bit more about what BAF is doing this year. And I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And if I can help in any way, please reach out. This year at BAF, we're able to feature a locally made film, Singing to Myself, made by Harmony Wagner. The film focuses on the life of a deaf woman and her struggles. Come to the Natural History Museum on December 1st in the evening to see the film and meet the filmmaker.